Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And speaking of embracing life, it doesn't get much better than getting to interview a multi-talented, accomplished woman who just happens to be related to Sir Paul McCartney. But Dr. Angie McCartney has enjoyed an incredible career in her own right. Her resume includes owning a thriving tea and wine business, authoring several books, and becoming a sought-after media star with various talk shows and movie credits to her name. And believe it or not, this is just a sprinkling of what this remarkable woman has accomplished. But Angie's joining us today to share about her recently released book. It's called Here, There, and Everywhere. I've read it. I love it. And I can't wait to get going. So welcome, Angie. Good morning, Eileen. Thank you for having me. Well, it is my delight to have you, and I want to start off the the show immediately by telling our listeners uh, I did have the great pleasure of interviewing you a couple of weeks ago. I want them to listen to that show as well because you shared a lot about your personal history with Uncle Jim, and I know you've told this story, oh, I'm guessing five billion times, (laughs) but if you could just give us a brief overview so for the listeners who didn't know about your personal history from our last show, show, they get an idea of how you became to be Mrs. James McCartney. Indeed, yes. I was a widow, and my daughter Ruth was four years old, and uh, my first husband was killed in a car crash in Liverpool, and uh, things were pretty tough, and I ran into uh, an old friend who happened to be Jim McCartney's niece, and she put us in touch with her Uncle Jim. We all went to visit. And uh, Jim and I just took to each other right away. This is in August of 1964. And um, then he, he invited me to come over and bring Ruth and to stay the night. So we arranged that. And uh, he sent a car for us, which was very impressive for me in those days. And we came <laughs> through, <laughs> through the Mersey Tunnel to the other side of the river, where Jim was living in the house that Paul had bought for him, Rembrandt in Hazel. And uh, we spent the night, and it was during that time that the marriage proposal popped up. So uh, I don't know how much you want me to elaborate on that, Eileen, but but it's all in the book. Well, it is all in the book. And uh, if you want to just give, again, a kind of brief synopsis of that marriage proposal, that would be great, too. Sure thing, yes. Well, um, we're both a little bit... uh, ill at ease with each other because I think we knew what was going to happen and I was sitting playing the piano in the lounge at Jim's house and he came over and put his hands on my shoulders and he said I want to ask you something and I looked up at him over my right shoulder and I said the answer is yes and he said I haven't even asked you the bloody question yet (laughs) so we went and sat on the couch and he said well as you can see I mean I'm living in this lovely house that Paul has bought for me but I'm virtually trapped in here. I can't drive because of my arthritis. And there's always fans outside, morning, noon, and night. And I sort of get mobbed and followed if I go for a little walk around the village. So I really need somebody to take care of me. So would you like to be my housekeeper? Or uh, would you like to come and live with me? Or do you want to get married? And I said, well, I'd only go for marriage, really, with a four-year-old daughter. 
I didn't want to be. I was a bit old-fashioned in those days. I probably wouldn't be so old-fashioned now, but in those days, in 1964, um, I was a bit hesitant, you know. So he said, okay, fine, that suits me. And shortly after, the telephone rang, and it was Paul calling his dad from London. And I heard Jim say, oh, hello, son. Yes, she is. Yes, I have. Yes, we are. From which I deduced that the questions were, is she there? Have you asked her, and are you going to? So uh, Jim <laughs> handed me the chat, and come and talk to Paul. Of course, my knees were knocking, you know, as I went pick up the phone and say hello. Um, I think Paul was as nervous as I was. I mean, he just received the shock. He was about to get a new stepmother and a four-year-old sister. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, well, you're staying the night, aren't you? So um, I'll jump in the car. I'm in London, and I'll be up as soon as I can. And it used to take three or four hours in those days because the motorways weren't all connected. You had to come off one motorway in uh, Birmingham and go all around the houses to get on the other one that took you up to Merseyside. So it was well into the small hours of the morning when he arrived. And uh, I was in the kitchen washing dishes and he beeped his horn as he drove up the drive and Jim opened the garage doors. And he had to go and do it physically because we didn't even have clickers in those days. We didn't have remotes for the alarm, you know, and for the garage door. And Paul drove in, came in through the kitchen, and he was all suited up. He had a, a beige suit and a tie and brown lace-up brogue shoes. Wow. All very formal. <laughs> and he shook oh my hand and hello, I'm Paul. And I said, uh, yeah, I think, so. I think I know that. <laughs> So, uh, oh, yeah. Angie. In no time, he wanted me to bring Ruth downstairs, which I did, and popped her down on his knee. And she was fast asleep, of course, and she'd uh, recently had her kidney removed. And she looked up at him, and the first thing she said was, Oh, I know you. You're on my cousin's wallpaper. I could have flattened her. <laughs> <laughs> but it broke the ice. We all fell about laughing, and that was fine. And then uh, she lifted her pajama jacket up and said, look, I've got stitches. Charming. Uh, but she was only four. So. <laughs> um, oh, said, oh, gosh. Ringo's got lots of stitches. Ringo's had operations. And she said, is he on the wallpaper, too? He said, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, Angie, these memories are so wonderful. And speaking of memories, and you've alluded to the geography a bit of, of your area, and I just, that brings me to this fabulous book, Here, There, and Everywhere. Uh, anyway, uh, because Liverpool itself became a mecca for those of us uh, across the pond who were wild and crazy uh, beetle maniacs. Yes. I speak definitely for myself there, but <laughs> tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea to create Here, There, and Everywhere, a day tripper's guide to legendary Beatles locations. Well, after my previous book, which was called Your Mother Should Know, um, it was about life. That was about life in general. And several people got on to me and said, when are you going to do your next book? And I said, well, I hadn't thought about it. And uh, one or two of my friends from Facebook said, how about a guidebook to the places that you know that not everybody else does? So I started going back. I've got all my old diaries from many, many years. I've carried them all around the world with me. So I dug them all out, spread them all over the dining room table and looked for things, made notes. And 
<clears throat> lots of little places we'd been to and bars and bars, of course. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> put the book together and did a lot of research online, which is very helpful. So uh, I hope I'll be forgiven if I've got any dates wrong or anything. But I was able to add all of those things. And, of course, once Ruth put the, these connect codes in that you click on with your cell phone, they take you to, if you've read the chapter, and then you want to find out more about that place or what the Beatles' connections were with it and so on, you can click on this little connect code with your cell phone, and it takes you to different content, like a, uh, a video or a press clipping or uh, a radio or BBC television show or something like that. So it's got a lot of extras in it, this book, which I think you know. You? You've read it, haven't you, Eileen? Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, when I saw those squiggly lines on those connector codes, I thought, oh, boy, this is too much for me. And I'll bet you explain it very well at the yeah. front of the book. Just pulled your cell phone over. Cell phone and they were so easy. Right. I know, yeah. I, it was kind of like, you know, Mary Poppins clicking her heels together and taking you somewhere. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. Oh, well, that, I can't take credit for that. That was Ruth's idea. Ruth and Martin put all of that together and the photographs and so on. So, yeah, it turned out to be pretty interesting. And uh, Mark, well, Peters, who runs the, the Beetle Fest, had us, Ruth and I, on the show in August, and that resulted in sales of a lot of the previous book. And uh, then when we got here, there, and everywhere, out, he's, he's going to feature that. I've just sent him a copy of it. So on, on, in his catalog, he'll put it in there. But if people want to buy it, the best place to do is f uh, from me so that I can autograph them and send them out myself. So uh, th the way to do that is to go to the uh, Angie McCartney tea page, which is mrsmccartneysteas.com. And uh, well, there's, there's a shop uh, you can click on, and it shows you all the teas and the books and different things. So, uh, yeah, and it's also available on the famous Amazon. What isn't available on Amazon? <laughs> well, I do. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Angie, because I made the mistake of I just saw it and I thought, oh, I'm going to get And I look on Amazon like I do for so many books. So yeah. I didn't get the pleasure of getting your autograph. You did thoughtfully send me an autograph photo, though. <laughs> but but yeah. I do want to let our listeners know the best place to do, because uh, an autograph from you is a treasured item for sure. Oh. And it adds a lot to the book. And really, I wanted to say, in addition to those codes, uh, who, like I said, that kind of made me feel like I was flying off to Never Neverland or whatever, because they were so much fun. <laughs> yeah. But your personal recollections, you bring in so much about, you know, here's where so-and-so was born, and here's where the hospital where Ruth was born, in addition to the, all the Beatles history you've collected. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I'm not a, not a qualified writer by any means. I mean, I left school when I was 11 years old because that nice Mr. Hitler came out over and bombed the crap out of our city every night. So school oh was uh, not on as far as we, we uh, had to give the school up for people to live in whose houses were bombed. So we used to just meet one day a week at a, a neighbor's house, meet with our teacher, and chit-chat about what had been going on in our lives and brothers that were off in the army and things like that, and say a little prayer and say goodbye for another week, and off we popped. 
So there wasn't really much education going on, which I've always felt a lack of. And I used to feel that I couldn't possibly ever be of any use. And then I read a book by Shirley MacLaine. It was a paperback novel, and it was called something like You Can Get There From Here or something. I found it in, we were living in London, Ruth and I, in a rented flat. And I found this book in the, the bookcase in the house, and it really made me stop and think, if you really want to, you could do anything. And that sort of gave me a kick in the pants to stop feeling sorry for myself and get out and do it. So I did, and I am. <laughs> oh, Angie, that is so, I mean, it really is inspiring because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, you are a bona fide author now. I mean, my gosh, all these books to your name. and But, it, too, you, you starred in, you know, I mean, a movie. You've done, you do all these chat shows. It's almost like, you know, you kind of fell into it by meeting Uncle Jim. But yeah. you were born to, to be an entertainer and to be an artist and to be, uh, you know, an author. So I'm, I'm really, you know, I, got, I kind of got goosebumps when you shared that you decided to just get on with it. That's right, yeah. And like everybody else, especially with the situation in our lives right now, we have our ups and downs. And I can feel myself starting to feel sorry for myself because I've barely been outside the house since March. Uh, and then I think, now, come on, snap out of it. If Hitler didn't get you, this flaming virus and political situation is not going to get you. So I, I reason with myself to a point. You know. And sooner or later, you know, when people say, how are you? Uh, I had a, a mother-in-law, I won't say which one. And when you'd say to her, hello, how are you? She would tell you. She'd say, oh, I'm fine today. But last week I had this pain all down my left arm. And <laughs> she enjoyed the best of bad health. And I remember thinking, oh, God, when I get older, I'll never be like that. I'll never tell anybody how I feel. And some days, yeah, I feel like six bags of hammered crap, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Well, Angie, I I did want to also mention that I'm getting back to the book a little bit here, but the foreword was written by Frida Kelly, and yes. I had the great fortune, I the serendipitous experience for me, I had not heard about the documentary Good Old Frida, and yes. a friend of mine recommended it just out of the blue. Oh, there's this great movie about the Beatles and you know early Beatles. You ought to look at it. There you are. <laughs> In the first oh, yes, five minutes, on and my you... couch in the living room. Oh, I know. I was a bit <laughs> ill at ease in, in that clip because Frida and I had lost touch for many years, and she happened to be uh, on the walking along the street in Liverpool and ran into Pete Price, who was a well-known broadcaster over there. And uh, she said to Pete, "Do you ever hear of Angie?" And he said, "Oh, yes, she's on my radio show every Sunday night." And of course, that was it. He hooked us back up, and uh, we've never looked back since then. So, uh, yeah, Frida eventually got on to me, and she said, they want to make a documentary about about me. Will you be in it? I said, yeah, if you like. So that's how it came about. <laughs> well, now you're telling me you were, you were nervous because you just look so relaxed and, you know, oh, energetic. I? And I haven't like, seen it I for could... years. I'll, I'll dig it out and watch it again tonight. I think you should, Angie. I think I was just, I mean, I just was thinking, you know, a lot of people could have married Uncle Jim for a variety of reasons. He sounds like a wonderful gentleman. Oh, he was lovely. But, you know, 
you were taking on more than being married to him. I mean, you were taking on a major role, and it's just like you just—you were born to do it. I guess, yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that. It was, you know, circumstances change, life goes along, and you take it by the throat and get on with it. Well, you have taken it by the throat, and every other part of the body completely ends. Oh, well, and I also want to say, in addition to this wonderful book, you've alluded to a couple of your others, Your Mother Should Know and My Long and Winding Road. You have a tea company, you have a wine company, and a lot of the things I want people to know about the teas, in addition to being special, tasty, organic, but a percentage of the proceeds go to the Linda McCartney Breast Cancer Research Fund. That's right. That's at the Royal Liverpool Hospital in Liverpool. And uh, if anybody wants to know more about it or anything, just, you know, shoot me an email, Angie at McCartney.com. And uh, and I'm on Facebook, of course, isn't everybody? (laughs) Uh, You are. And also, you've got the uh, photo of the hospital and one of those codes in here, there, and everywhere. Because, again, you, beyond just the, the... you know, the places one might think about the Beatles, you bring in different family aspects, too, and I thought that was so lovely. Yeah, Yeah, I wasn't sure whether people would find that interesting or not, but I thought, well, they can always turn to the next page. Well, and Angie, I know we've just mentioned, you know, your Facebook and everything like that, and look at you just going on all sorts of places, but you also have a talk show, or I guess Um, you would call it a chat show. Tuesday mornings I go live on my um, Mrs. McCartney's, uh, Angie McCartney's Facebook page at 11.30 Pacific time for about half an hour every week. And some weeks we have guests, but um, Facebook have made it difficult to bring guests on recently. So we've had to try out a new technology, which Ruth is working on. It's It's got a few snags that we still need to uh, iron out, but we've had one or two guests and it's worked okay. So next Tuesday, the 10th, um, I'm going to be just dealing with Martin, my son-in-law, because he has an album coming out on the 11th, 11-11-2020. And so that's what we, he will sit on the couch with me, and I'll, I'll uh, scorch through him and <laughs> drill him with questions. But uh, he's a marvelous musician and composer and graphic designer and artist. and Oh, he's such a clever clogs. And he's from Germany, actually. And right now, as you and I are talking, he's speaking to his mum, who lives in Germany, in northern Germany, because it's her birthday and she's in her late 70s. So uh, she's just back from uh, the Canary Isles, where she was staying, and couldn't get out of there when the uh, pandemic began. She was kept there a lot longer than she meant to be. So she's back in Germany now and catching up with what's going on in our world, which is quite interesting, I would say. I would say. Oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of of a multi-talented family, I'd love to sit around your dinner table and and eavesdrop on on all the things that you share because you're into so many things. I know. Some of the things we say, and then I suddenly look up at the ceiling to see if there's any hidden microphones, and I say, just kidding, Alexa. Just kidding, Siri. Didn't mean it. <laughs> well, and two, 
I do want to say one thing before we have to close. Again, going back to the book, is that, of course, Liverpool, the city itself and the area itself, is the star, as it as well it should be. But yes. you also include spots from Hamburg, London, New York, and Los Angeles. That's right. Yes, all the places that loomed large in the career of the boys and still do, uh, you know, in, in memory and retrospect. And, in fact, their fame still seems to be growing, funnily enough. Of course, it's just Paul and Ringo who are sort of off the map for the time being. But we shall see, you know, when this is over, and it will be over. It has to be one of these fine days. It might seem a bit silly to put out a travel book at this stage, but as so many people are planning for the future and they want something to look forward to, and a number of friends, Facebook friends particularly, had plans in the works to go to Liverpool and London. And, uh, of course, that's been knocked on the head for the time being until the travel ban comes off. So we can just keep our fingers crossed and look forward with optimism. Well, and it may be a travel book, but it's also an armchair travel book. And, uh, again, yes. with those codes, you literally mm. can fly places. I mean, you can, you know, have an <laughs> out-of-body experience, so to speak. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Angie, <laughs> so cool. as soon as you finish okay. uh, Come fly with when me. you finish watching Good Old Frida, you got to take a, yes, an armchair travel experience with your own book there, Angie. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. I'll give you a credit in book four. <laughs> I would love that. And one more credit. I do want to make sure Ruth, who was not able to join us today, your daughter Ruth, though, she has yes. a wonderful uh, multimedia company that she founded, I believe, and manages uh, McCartney Multimedia. That's right, yes. And funnily enough, we're really busy at the moment because so many of our clients want social media stuff done and newsletters sending out to their fans and stuff like that because they can't go on the road and appear publicly. So uh, we have one gentleman that we take care of called David Pomeranz, who's a wonderful singer-songwriter, filmmaker, broadcaster. He's down in Florida. and he's, I'll, I'll forward you his newsletter that just came in this morning, which uh, Ruth sort of put together, you know, and she and he talk on the phone every day with ideas of how to keep his career lively. He's made he's Broadway musicals, and he made a film about Charlie Chaplin. And Oh, he's an excellent and very talented guy. He's written songs for Barry Manilow and Bette Midler and all sorts of people. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got Edgar Winter is another client who is an old rocker from way back. And he's just emerged again and said, I need to liven up my website and bring it into this century. So, it, you know, there's a lot that keeps happening, although we're not able to go out and meet people or go to gigs and so on. But there's an awful lot of stuff coming out of this, like the Zoom situation where people have several screens open at once. And I don't know how on earth they do it, but they do. And it's helping to just keep people together until they can be properly back you know, applying their crafts again. Well, Angie, as you're talking and you're mentioning all the things that you and Ruth are doing and are into, it made me think about that 11-year-old girl who had to leave school. I mean, if if you could, you know, like they say, a note to younger self, but <laughs> you 
would probably never have even begun to imagine how your life has evolved. No, no, indeed not. No. <laughs> Gosh, no, people like us didn't even have a telephone in the house, you know. You used to have to go to a telephone box down the street or to the priest's house on the corner and say, excuse me, Father, going to use the phone to call the doctor, please. Oh my God! And now McCartney Media is in your family. Absolutely. Well, Angie, it's in, your face. <laughs> it's in your face and in your family. What a delight this has been! I was looking forward to it very much, yes. and I know you spent a lot of time with me, and I really appreciate it. Thank I, you, Angie. I enjoy it, Eileen. Any old time, you know where I am. I'm not going anywhere. I do know where you are. (laughs) And you're one of my favorite new friends of all time. It's really, really been fun. And I urge all of you listeners out there, please check out this book here, there, and everywhere. Don't worry if you've, you know, we've got travel restrictions going now. You just click on those codes. You will fly places. And it's so interesting. And, again, Angie's personal anecdotes about her life, the Beatles' life, Paul's life. It's really for any of you Beatles fans out there, and I know I'm talking to millions of you, get it for your friends who are Beatles fans and get it for yourself. It will make a fabulous holiday gift. And my holiday gift I got early, and that was getting the chance to chat with you again, Angie. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Well, until next time, check out Angie's website, get the book from her so you get an autographed copy, and uh, I will be seeing you later. I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye, sweetheart. Bye-bye.